Hi, you're listening to A Brit Difficult with August. A Brit Difficult is a podcast aimed at intermediate learners of English, and we focus particularly on British English. We're here to bring you new phrases, new vocabulary, explanations of grammar, and a chance to hear many different voices from all around the UK, both learners and native speakers. Nice. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, I wanted to just start by giving you uh, some time to introduce yourself a little bit and give us a bit of background about how you learned English. Okay. Um, my name is Dmitry. Uh, my first interaction with English, I've started learning it basically in primary school. And so uh, primary and secondary school in Russia, I have learned it as a second language. Mm-hmm. And then I've moved to Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I thought those like 10, 10, 10, 10 years of learning English, right? And I was pretty good. Uh-huh. Uh, like top, top grades. There was sort of when the, um, the national exams came up in in English, it was pretty much like a walk in the park, right? I, I, I sort of came in and I said, "Well, I can, I can, I can pass this top grades, no problem." And, and, and then I moved to Ireland, and, and I realized how how terrible my actual knowledge was. Um, you, it was my first time sort of properly immersed in the English speaking environment. Mm-hmm. And the pace of speech and diction, I just could not cope with at all. Mm-hmm. So if you think about like the diction and the pace of how people talk in the sort of English as a second language audio lessons, mm-hmm. it's kind of slow. The diction is very, very clear. And then you come to an actual English speaking country and then people speak about twice as fast and they swallow half the words and <laughs> another half is an accent you have never heard before. And it's, it's, yeah, it, it took me a while to, to get used to. And of course, uh, English was taught uh, as a school subject as, as well. And so you are trying to cope as best you can with a modern English and then they throw Hamlet at you. And so now not only are you absolutely stuck not understanding what the teacher is talking about, you have no idea what Shakespeare is talking about. Um, so that was, that was tough. Um, and it took me a, a while in that environment to, to sort of transition from, from understanding English as a second language to uh, moving into a place where sort of, it fades into the subconsciousness enough that you don't sort of actively think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, uh, I moved to the UK. I studied in London for a few years. Uh, and then I moved to Newcastle and there's another accent, the Jordy accent. That, that, that wasn't so difficult, but... Uh, you can you could hear some regional differences and 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 some words um, were new there, and then after that uh, I moved to Manchester, 
and apparently there is a specific accent here but to me it just doesn't sound half as pronounced as some of the other to me i think out of all the accents that i've heard um it's the irish accent that was the most difficult so that's my language story so far well awesome yeah i think ireland's a really interesting place to start um as a second language speaker for english um i would say a lot of people say that the irish accent uh, particularly the republic of ireland and more northern parts of scotland tend to be quite difficult for people who aren't native speakers uh, and even for some native speakers i have to say as well um because we're not used to hearing that accent that regularly um so you mentioned that there was some difficulty in getting used to the speed and the way that people spoke once you got to the uk um was there anything else in particular that you found difficult about english when you were learning it or once you got to a certain point in english um i think one thing that only being in the native environment sort of solved for me is how time is is expressed so um in russian it's very very simple right you have a particular grammar for past a particular grammar for present and then a particular grammar for future and there's only one way that you can you know talk about past one way talking about present one way talking about future and then um you come to english and like there is a, at least like 12 different ways that you can talk time right so in the grammatical sense you, you can go like present simple and present continuous and then present perfect and then present perfect continuous and then the same thing goes for past and 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 future and some of them kind of made sense but coming from a language which doesn't have such an evolved structure to talk about time it was fairly difficult for me to get used to expressions like you know by this time tomorrow i will have done that and i'm like what <laughs> okay so will is talking about the future and have done is talking about the the results of actions that have already happened so are you talking about the future the past or what um <laughs> So that was hard and uh, when I was studying English as a second language I just couldn't get through it it's only just by continually hearing people using that structure mm-hmm. and sort of seeing the, the consequences of their words that eventually I you know this sort of I got used to it basically I I still don't get why language had to develop to be so complex but um at least i got used to the idea and now when i hear or read something like that i i sort of followed the steps and say oh, okay okay so they are they're talking about this and 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 not about something else so i i think this was one of the things that learning english as a second language from russian i just couldn't quite get it yeah i i can imagine um i think it's going to depend for people what the native languages i'm thinking like for people who speak japanese um mandarin chinese uh certainly those languages don't have this what you're describing in english they don't have that either whereas um i've been learning spanish and french and those do have it and they are just as complicated as they are in english like i struggle to 
translate the same concepts into those languages because the the uh, the conjugations and such are quite difficult. So I, I can appreciate that it's, it's something difficult if you haven't come across it before. Uh, even for me, having seen that concept in another language is, is really tricky. Um, so what were some of the ways that you tried to learn English or what would you say is a good tip or something for, for people who are learning English currently? Uh, I think like, if you're a gamer, you're you're basically in the best of luck uh, because you have a medium where you have audio and subtitles in a number of languages so you can pick say your language audio english subtitles and you can play through the game and you you get everything that's being said and you kind of start picking out some may be separate words as they could be in in English. And then you sort of switch that. You go English audio, uh, your native subtitles. That maybe is a little bit like, um, you know, watching a film in a native language with your subtitles. But to me, the big advantages of, playing a game that way is that you're directly involved in the action. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if it's some kind of a role-playing game and you have, let's say, dialogue options, and so not only do you read through the dialogue, but you're also sort of consciously making your choice and, and those words are meaningful to you as the player. And um, I've played Mass Effect uh, game series maybe a, a, a few times, and there are three games and each about 50 hours long if you like go through it fully. And so those, like that, that audio and those subtitles and what I see on the screen has helped me quite a, quite a bit in learning the language. You, you hear what's being said, you can read it, and you can observe the situation as it happens. I think this is sort of, if you can't be in the native country, this is one of the closest things that you can get if, if you want to learn the language. Maybe VR will change that uh, soonish, but as it stands now, I, I, I think this is, this is a, a good tip. Because if I compare that to say, watching a film, uh, like I, I did watch some Japanese anime with the uh, English uh, subtitles, mm -hmm. and I I can get some of it, but um, I've encountered someone something of a difficulty there in the 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 order of speech is quite different from the subtitles. Yeah. So let's say in in english you know subject verb object is a typical structure but in japanese it might be backwards and and so you end up sort of not associating words properly mm. uh, but uh, in the context of a game you can also see oh you know you know these words are followed with this facial expression on the character and maybe i don't know the order of the words e exactly but i know you know this word is associated with sadness or like this word is uh, associated with action and mm -hmm. so 
in that way, I can also learn sort of the context of the expression, if you wish. So I think that's that's a sort of another medium that you can use if you like playing games and you have fun while doing it. So like, why, why the hell not? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good tip. I think, like you said, because you are actively involved. I mean, if you're pressing the wrong thing, you'll soon find out if you're making the wrong choice or going around in a circle, if you're not quite understanding what the characters are talking about or something like that. Um, it kind of forces you to learn more quickly, I guess, <laughs> to to get a grasp on what the, the missions are and, and what it is you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and also in some games, actually, you can exhaust dialogues and like say you're interested in a particular phrase and you can just click the same option over and over mm -hmm. and over and the, the character will say it again and again and again. And it's sort of much easier in a sense than to, let's say, if you watch a, a, a film to go back, like, uh, you know, uh, rewind back a, a bit and then hear it said again. So it's, a, it's, it's less friction, I guess, if you, if you just want to hear it said again. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. Um, something else I like to ask people, <laughs> um, mm. because I'm very interested in the ways that people have learned English and also the experience in the UK in particular is the the sort of weird or interesting things that you found, particularly in British English, um, being now in the culture uh, to do with English. Has there been anything like that that you've come across or that you found to be interesting or a bit strange <laughs> when you started mm. to speak with British people? Um, I think s small talk is, is, is a fairly weird concept. Um, it might I'm not sure like how many cultures it exists in, but it doesn't exist in Russian nearly as much. So it was like for the longest time, I couldn't get why people like random people. I don't know them first time I, I see them and they ask me like, how, like, how are you? And, and they don't expect any decent answer out, out of it. And it was just infuriating. It's like, a, you're invading my personal space with personal questions. B, you don't actually expect any decent answer. And C, you're just wasting my time. <laughs> what, what is this culture? How, how, how did that come to be? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it took me, took me the longest time. And um, in fact, it's, it, it sort of developed into a, a bit of an in-joke. and so. I I know I will be asked this by everybody over and over and over. And so now it it's sort of a little creative exercise that I sometimes do in that I try to come up with an interesting answer that would sort of sort of push people out of that automatic sort of question answer uh, sink. Mm -hmm. And so for example you know, you would typically expect to hear like, oh, I'm, I'm okay, how are you doing, uh, as a response. But if you say something like, I don't know, so good so far, like that, uh, and you just, 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 just like stop right there. So you don't, you've provided a strange answer and you don't ask, how are you back? Mm -hmm. 
and and that seems to sort of yeah it 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 makes people a bit confused um and to me as someone who doesn't quite understand this um idea of mindlessly asking this question uh, it's uh, at least i can i can i can say you know something that will make people listen maybe and 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 engage in a in a maybe less automatic fashion so this is this is a thing for me um you know still i i i i tend to come up with strange answers to this just to 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 engage people maybe a, a, a bit more consciously uh, but yeah real real strange that random people you whom you have never met and probably will never meet again ask something that i would consider quite personal actually yeah i think this one comes up a lot um small talk i think doesn't exist in a lot of other places and people just want us to get on with it <laughs> we do like to sort of spend a lot of time talking about nothing um which I, i'm not quite sure where this where this actually came from but i'm just so used to it from from living here but it is a bit yeah. of a strange practice <laughs> mm. uh nice so what i wanted to sort of finish up with is just to give you a few minutes to maybe talk about something that interests you at the moment or something you wanted to talk about just to give people the opportunity to maybe hear some different vocabulary or whatever it might be. Um, so is there anything that you wanted to, to talk about? Ah, sure, sure. Um, let me just add to the previous section a, a little bit. Another thing that got me confused a, a lot is some of the sort of alternative language that people use. So for example, using a word quid for a pound, Oh. And and so first time I'm coming to the UK and I and I hear quid, and sort of my first association is a squid, a sea creature, and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? How how is that connected to money? Um, so that was strange. Um, and again, if if you sort of, I don't think. Uh, uh, slang is covered that much in if you learn English as as a second language, and then you you come to a, a country which speaks nothing but slang, mm. and 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 that's strange, and and that's strange. And, and that's strange. <laughs> um, on that topic, actually, because we have uh, internet culture now, sort of most of my studying days of the language. Uh, I didn't even have access to the internet in the first place. So uh, all all I had was books. Um, but these days, because internet is so widespread and because English culture is so domineering, um, it's actually quite interesting to just go to uh, to image boards and, uh, and just read and observe. And... Uh, uh, I see this in Russian a little bit where sort of English memes get adopted without any sort of sensitivity around context. Like, like uh, what, what would be a, a recent example? Uh, I think the word based is, 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 is recently been used to, to 
describe people in in some sense and it just gets transliterated like letter for letter uh, in russian this words transliterated means pretty much nothing um, or it can be used in some maybe military context which is absolutely un unrelated to how it is sort of developed in english um, so this is strange to see but i think meme boards and maybe reddit or or youtube these are some interesting cultural places where you would get your share of language uh, which is steeped in in context and sort of social inadequacies that you will just not see in the books and it's it's very interesting to observe trends but also much like uh, what i was talking about previously in 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 games they really put words into context and they also have this they carry different emotional charges but mostly humor and irony yeah. uh, which which to my mind helps you learn a lot better in a sense that now these words have some attached meaning to them beyond just what the words themselves mean and uh, you also begin to understand so the 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 written chunk better so uh, you know lol uh, is a is a classic example of what used to be in the chat rooms and now it made its way into into the speech even though it's it's an abbreviation and, and why would you say lol um, but uh, hey ho uh, it's 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 there now so yeah um i'm i'm an sort of an, an avid observer of 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 uh, image boards as a source of of uh, development of language and play of words and eventually maybe you can begin to see sort of which 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 cultures are predominant on on various boards if you have sort of a board in your own language it, it, it'll probably discuss topics relevant to your country or or culture if it's it, it's international it's probably going to be something american uh, that's what i see lately I, anyway it, it's just a lot of discussion of um, mostly anglospheric culture uh, you, you just don't see anything else if the, if the language is english for some reason unless it's some fire in Austra australia then it's all uh, you know images of people being upside down and the sort of common play on 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 the idea that if you're in australia it's the upside down chunk of the world which is again like that they will not print something like that in a in a in a in a book where you learn english language it's it's a it's it's a stereotype and, and why would that be printed right but hey it's 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 in the heads of millions of english speaking people and so you know there you go yeah i definitely think that uh, so i follow a lot of sort of humor or meme accounts on instagram in um german and spanish mostly and it, it does expose you to some of the culture it gives you access to things like cultural and political things that are happening because you need to look them up to understand the memes sometimes um mm. and yeah you start to get a feel for what the 
the culture's humor is like. So we don't think about building a humor in another language, but I think things like memes and Instagram and stuff, they can help you to understand what people find funny. So what I see on these like Spanish accounts is very different to what I would see on like a British meme account, for example. There's two different kinds of humor. Um, but, and then it gives you access to the vocabulary. And, and like you said, like internet words, uh, not everybody uses lol. Um, there's different words for things like that just across languages as well. So I think that's actually a really good way and a fun way as well to, to explore a language once you've reached a certain level, I think. Yeah. And also, I think unlike a lot of uh, sort of the way that the books are structured doesn't allow for a lot of repetition, whereas if if some event happened and it's of some cultural significance you'll see like 50 memes about it and they'll use roughly the same word and so you sort of get exposed to a single phrase 50 times and then it, it gets stuck in your head and now you know what it is and that's excellent yeah absolutely so that's that's going to be the message for this episode is that everybody needs to go look at more memes i think is the, <laughs> the takeaway <laughs> Why not? Why not? Maybe even contribute if you feel very adventurous on that day. <laughs> nice. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining me. That's uh, about all for today. All right. Thanks for having me. No worries.